everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Today we have a very sassy topic, and uh, we have Eric, Dan, and Daniel on. And Eric, I'm going to ask you to start off. Who are you, and what do you do, buddy? All right. My name is Eric Trollin, and I'm a technical solutions architect in the go-to-market team in our cloud security division at Cisco. And so what I do is I talk to customers and I talk to partners, and then I take that feedback and I roll it back to the business unit to make sure all the things that we're building are lining up with what the, the field is saying um, about what we need for to meet our customers' needs. So you get to hear all the complaints and all the joy. <laughs> yes, I get to hear all of it. <laughs> and sometimes I'm the not not the nicest of language, which I also appreciate because you know if if you're candid, that's very important to me. Yes, I've always asked the champions to be very blunt, and they are. Uh, so, but one question before we move on from you: Are you on the Twitters? Do you have a Twitter handle? I am on the Twitter handle, uh, so it's e trollin, uh, and that's it. So it's just my regular old email address. Good for you. Twitter. And now yeah. we know how to email you. Fantastic. Dan. Exactly. Okay, so guys, this is I know that you can't see this because this is only audio, duh. But we're on a nice little WebEx so we can see each other. And I think this might be a first for Cisco Champion Radio in seven years. Dan is recording from inside his car. And it appears uh, that he's in like the woods or something. It's really pretty out there. Uh, I so am, Dan. I'm in the woods. Yep. Yes. Uh, so Who I'm, are you? Uh, I'm Dan do? Sheldon. I'm a senior consulting systems engineer here with um, uh, Worldwide Technologies, a very happy partner of Cisco. Uh, and I am recording from my car. I'm in the middle of my uh, paid time off vacation in Assateague Island, uh, Maryland. It's beautiful. Lots of bugs. Uh, lots of ponies. I think I'd like the ponies more than the bugs, but that's just me. <laughs> they are until yeah. they try stealing all of your toddler's food uh, and he gets upset. I can imagine. Okay, we'll talk toddler later. All right. Oh, wait. Did you say if you're on the Twitters? I forget. I do not tweet. Um, you have to. You have to meet me face to face to hear what's coming out of my mouth. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Daniel, you're no, you're someone who's never on the Twitters. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah. What's Twitter? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, my name is is Daniel. I also work for a Cisco partner named Concha. I'm in Northern Europe and uh, been with the Cisco Champions program for quite some time now and yeah I do tweet a lot and my handle is Daniel Dib S W E. So yeah, please interact with me there. Awesome. Uh and I completely forgot to introduce myself, or I forget if I did so because I'm super great at this. My name's Lauren Friedman and I'm on the Twitters as Lauren. Um, and I will randomly interject with my own sassy types of questions. So, Eric, I'm feeling a little insecure. What are we talking about today? <laughs> and yes, I'll go so first ground rule. <laughs> the first ground rule, you can't use sassy anymore. No, um, I'm just kidding. So today we're going to talk about uh, sassy or secure access service edge, which is a term coined and, you know, kind of an approach to securing network uh, and using security of paradigms for our customers. They did that last year um, for all customers, really not just Cisco. And um, so we're going to talk about that today as far as what it means for Cisco and SD-WAN and really the cloud security team and where we're headed. So wait, we were just not secure at all before? 
Yeah, so we did have uh, security. You know, we've been doing a little bit of that for just a short amount of time, um, and that's all sarcasm, of course. So, but okay. this is really about that deeper combination of both networking and security in the same stack as our customers go through this change. And when I say our customers, you know, I just want to make sure I'm clear that it's not just limited to Cisco customers, right? Like all the people out there, like the industry, they're going through this change and Gartner just described it. And so we're going to talk about what we see and, and, and how we do that. But yeah, it's all, always always going to be secure and we're going to take those steps from being you know very secure on-prem and being just as secure in the cloud and how do we do that? Huzzah, jazz hands. All right. So I heard that you actually, well, instead of our normal, you know, champions asking you a question, you had a question for our champions. Yeah, so I was hoping to kick it off, right? Because, you know, SASE is about this this shift of, um, and I'm going to steal some of uh, some of Daniel's words that I may have seen in some tweets or in previous conversations. <laughs> um, you know, it's about customers really looking to get closer to those SaaS applications that they're using and, you know, direct internet access. And SASE is about this combination of like, well, as the paradigm shifts and we're not going to the data center to secure it, and it's all in cloud, how do we combine those two things and, and get closer? So really what I wanted to see is, you know, then I'll kick it over to you, Dan, like, what are your thoughts? What do you see your customers doing in this realm of this evolution of, you know, using SaaS services and where does SD-WAN fit in with their solution? And do you see SASE, what part do you see SASE playing in that? You know, I, I think that's a great question, Eric. So uh, a lot of the things that we're seeing with our customers is though those move to the SaaS uh, applications, whether it be, you know, Office 365 or any of their, you know, corporate uh, device um applications on either AWS, Azure, you know, Google Cloud. Um, one of the one of the main pushes that they're that's pushing them towards SD WAN is the direct internet access or DIA strategy, where essentially every one of their remote offices or branch offices uh, will instead of utilizing MPLS um, backbones to their headquarters and their you know co-locations for you know the security stack they'll be using direct internet access from those remote locations directly to their SaaS um, and you know to your point I think SASE is really um, the next iteration of securing that direct regional branch to cloud applications Awesome. And then what value do you see sort of, you know, SD-WAN solutions uh, um, bringing to the table as customers shift through this paradigm? Is it just their ability to provide DIA or, or what else does it do for them? I think it's really the application sensitivity. So most of my customers are, are not seeing, you know, uh, the level of confidence yet in this, you know, kind of new evolution of SD-WAN to get rid of their MPLS circuits. So those MPLS circuits have a very strict SLA that most of my customers, you know, <laughs> utilize and will, you know, go back to the service provider if uh, they, they, you know, see latency, jitter, packet loss, um, downtime, any of those things. Um, so they're they're definitely not happy getting uh, or, or not confident enough to be getting away from MPLS. But one of the things that I think SD-WAN brings to the table that they haven't had before is the application awareness of the, you know, different types of apps that are traversing those, those uh, WAN links. So that they can utilize, you know, um, both the MPLS and like a direct commodity internet connection, and they can, you know, either load balance between those those multiple connections coming into a, a uh, end branch, or they can um, say specific applications that you know are hyper secure or you know storage oriented go directly over you know their existing MPLS to a regional hub or back to the headquarters or back to a data center. 
or some of the more cloud-facing, you know, uh, software as a service uh, can go over there, commodity internet, and, you know, kind of your job uh, in this interaction, Eric, is those application connections that are going direct to cloud uh, still need to have the same level of scrutiny, security, you know, L7, you know, deep packet inspection, all of those, you know, kind of Cisco's bread and butter security features, but uh, not traversing Cisco's network per se. Gotcha. And when you say Cisco network, you mean, <clears throat> what, what, what do you, what did you mean by that? Just to, to clarify. I mean, um, it's not traversing our dedicated switches, routers, uh, security stack, you know, any of the firepowers, any of the normal kind of hardware security layer that most of my enterprise customers, you know, have in their data centers and colos. Okay, perfect. I just want to make sure, right, because uh, Cisco's network, right, so as traffic comes on to the uh, umbrella SIG solution, right, that's also, you know, Cisco's network. So I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, what, what, what do we mean by that? <laughs> because there's definitely traffic going to go over the Cisco's network, but it's really our cloud, our cloud solution that I was thinking of. Um, so for, for me, one of the things that, you know, I always see that's in, in the SASE paradigm is everyone's super excited about it, right? So basically, all the vendors are on board because they see their customers going towards it, right? And so, and as we see from an industry standpoint, our customers moving towards the solution, we want to make sure that we're all on point and delivering the products that they need to be able to get there. And so when Gartner came out with an article about actually a year ago now, um, they, they made the statement that vendors are going to take probably about three years to really sassify their products, right? To get this integration between the, the network stack and the, the security stack and and have a single pane of glass and secure APIs and, and all the great things, right? So um, one of the things that they also mentioned is, you know, it's going to take customers probably anywhere from five to 10 years to get there, right? So, and I think, Dan, you've described customers who are still a little bit hesitant, like, you know, this, this cloud thing in the internet, it, it's it's good, but there are some things that I need my service level to be extremely high for. It's just a fad. And, and, yeah. This cloud thing. <laughs> Go this, ahead. This cloud yeah. It's going to pass. Yeah. So it's as, as we, you know, but as we're going through that, right. So I want to make sure I was describing that, you know, because, you know, some people are like, you know, today we need to all do this cloud thing, right. Let's, we, we all got to go there right away, you know, and definitely I can see with, you know, the recent, you know, events that the, the world has been going through. Like you that mean a global pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Let's be yeah. clear here. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, there's there's that too, you know. We've got um, like fire tornadoes <laughs> in California this week, but aside from that, go on. Yeah, I think there needs to be a new name like Firenado. I mean, it's if we can do Sharknado, we should do Firenado. Like uh, fire tornado doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Sequel with sharks <laughs> flying through the Firenado and they have like little um, fire extinguishers that they're shooting at it. Okay, go on. Sorry, and, just... and they're wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> they found sharks inside an active volcano underwater. So that is the next, the next Sharknado is already, you know, going to be Sharkano. <sighs> okay, okay. So right, back like to wherever the awesome. hell we were after I got us wildly off topic. Um, oh yeah. So, so as we're talking about Sassy though, like, you know, so customers are, are not going to be there overnight. And so basically they were describing like this uh, scenario where some customers not, might not pick a single vendor, right? So at Cisco, you know, um, we hope customers pick our entire solution for all the right reasons, right? You know, Obviously. it's secure, high efficacy, and, and it's easy, and it meets their needs. So some, some customers want to have a diversified stack, and so they're going to focus on, you know, the connect 
and to cloud, and then they're going to secure in the cloud, right? And so we want to be able to meet them wherever that makes sense, right? And so we've done that first step with Veptella and Umbrella today with that connect the cloud to just make sure that we can make it super easy for folks to get onto the, the cloud solution. And then, you know, we're doing subsequent steps both on the um, Cisco Secure SD-WAN side as well as the Umbrella side to make sure that we can have that greater blending of our network as a service or SD-WAN as a service and our security as a service solutions um, for our customers together. And, you know, there's there's a lot going on there. There's like a deep level integration with, you know, all of the security stacks that we have on the cloud security side, right? You know, we've pulled in, you know, some of the AMP capabilities. We've pulled in the threat grid. So on the security stack, we also have that layer seven inspection engine that you were talking about, Daniel. So that's actually just about to go GA in short order. Probably by the time this podcast releases, it will I sure be hope GA. So. Yeah, well, we, we got all that pricing. We got all the details worked out. So no and we, you know, buddy. our last step was really, yeah, well, it's not a roadmap, but it's more like, uh, so we are using the NVAR engine, right? So because mm -hmm. that's part of Cisco, we also want to make sure that we can do the support on that. And so we're signing that final agreement with them. That's the one piece that's holding us back. Gotcha. So I think, I think they're going to sign it though. I do. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, any questions or thoughts about that? Because I think those are the things that I see our customers looking for. And, and I really do see them, you know, trying to utilize some of the things that are on the, the service and kind of my thought, Daniel, when I open up the question is like, what, do you, what value does the SD-WAN playing is that, you know, the, the feature called, you know, uh, cloud on wrap or COR mm -hmm. for short, if we want to abbreviate yeah. that, like the value that brings with the probes and the HTTP gets, you know, making sure those SaaS solutions uh, are, are, are using the best path and the router's determining is that DIA, is that a backhaul to a regional hub or, um, you know, maybe yep. a private circuit. So what works, you know, we're going to be super excited to do is we're doing some testing on our, um, basically, uh, Umbrella has a very significantly large network. Actually, we're basically like an ISPs, uh, an ISP or um, uh, somebody like Akamai CDN network. Mm -hmm. And what we've done was we've done some testings preliminary to, to show like those customers who want to get closer to that service when they use our our product, they actually are getting closer to that service because we have such a high number of peering sessions and we're close to all of the appropriate SaaS providers. So initial test looks fantastic, um, but I think that's why customers I see will want to move more closely to the cloud because in some regions of the world, you know, their offices aren't going to get the best experience and um, that's where we can really help to step in and make sure that when yeah. they're using our network so, and backbone, they're going to be the so, fastest. Um, yeah, Eric, so so a question for you, because I know that in the past, some of these, you know, like proxy-like services and so on, they've been kind of complicated to set up. You, you need like all of these pack files or need to do a, a lot of modifications. So what's the process for for setting up the umbrella sig like what are my options to get the traffic onto cisco's cloud uh so first of all i gotta say like having been a customer who uses pack files i really kind of hate them but you know they're <laughs> uh they're necessary for many customers um so we do support pack files right so you can use a pack file, you can use an IPsec tunnel only with no pack file, or you can use a pack file and a tunnel, right? You know, so it's like your, your hamburger and your fries are just one of the two. So, um, so the solution can be um, as complicated as a customer's, you know, deep 
a global environment needs to be to be able to meet their needs, or it can be fairly simple. For me, I'm personally a fan of just the IPsec tunnel. You know, you're going to send your traffic towards Umbrella. Um, maybe you'll do some processing on your SD-WAN enabled device, like, oh, I want to send this to Umbrella for security, but perhaps my Office 365 traffic, I trust Microsoft. I don't want to do a deep inspection on that. Um, and they go forward with that. So just want to make sure that that's, that answered your question. Um... Yeah. That's one of the powerful features with S2N. I think the the application recognition and and the tools to to separate traffic and send them onto separate paths. I mean, sure, you could do that before, but it often involves some complex policy-based routing and you know, kind of the nerd knobs here and there. And, and that's become a lot easier now with with the GUI and vManage and and the integration with Umbrella to to send traffic onto the different paths. And also, like you mentioned, to to measure the quality because maybe one path is is performing badly, and then you always have the the option of backhauling it back to a to a DC if if that path is performing better. But um, in most of the cases, it should be better performance to just send it out towards the internet um, through the local breakout. So, can I ask a question? Are we all kind of in agreement that in general, the idea of backhauling all of your traffic from your branch sites back to a, a big data center somewhere that's not necessarily local to all the SaaS services, that that's a bad idea? Or do you still think it's important for some reasons, which I don't fully understand? I think you're leading the I'm witness here, buddy. Oh, go ahead, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think that that model is, is definitely slipping away because, uh, I mean, I, I kind of call this model like the big fat firewall, you know, we're, we're backhauling traffic to, to one location and it just becomes a challenge to, to scale that firewall. I mean, with the amount of traffic we have today, so, I mean, there are powerful firewalls out there, but they're costly and they're complex to set up. So uh, I just don't see that, that design going forward that it's gonna, um, yeah. I don't think that's kind of the modern approach of, of designing the network. Also, you have like a very large rule set if you're going to try to build um, like rules for all of all of your branches and and adding all of those rules and and removing the rules when you don't need them. And yeah, that's that's a lot of work, I think. Yeah, I think I think Daniel said it right. I think it's um, I think it's baby steps towards kind of the new modern future. Um, a lot of corporations still really have that uh, I call it the eggshell analogy where you know the perimeter firewall keeps you know everything out as soon as you get one um, you know one hole punch through that eggshell your whole egg's gonna rot uh, so they still definitely have that perimeter firewall mentality so the you know extrapolation of, of the you know dedicated security stack hardware firewall you know load balancer all of those things um, extrapolating that up to the data center is kind of their their way of baby stepping to uh you know fully implemented cloud security so we're still seeing it quite a bit but um i think it's at least uh, hopefully kind of a sign of uh, the ch times changing to more of a, a cloud-based security yeah one of the things that i see dan you know you talk about those baby steps and and really customers tend to get as as a even when a baby's taking that first step they're, they're you know they're going to they're going to take that step and they're going to fall so they're nervous and i think in some ways you know customers are also a little bit hesitant like that and one of the things that i always see is the first thing that pushes them is if they have 
um, if they've adopted that model that Daniel talked about, they've got that big firewall or that super big web security appliance. And, and as traffic is now becoming more and more uh, secure, um, like HTTPS uh, and, and TLS. So uh, the more encryption that happens, the bigger boxes they need. And so there's always a refresh opportunity where vendor X is like, oh, you know, now it's time to refresh and buy a bunch of new boxes. And there's a huge dollar uh, figure associated with that. And that is one of the nice things about cloud security, right? Like we don't charge for that. We do the decryption. So, um, you know, as part of our, 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 our base package. So I think that's always something that has really resonated well with customers. And actually, uh, I personally won quite a few deals just because of the the, the SSL decryption issue, right? You know, the vendor was like, all right, here's your new boxes and it's $3 million and, and we're, we're a fraction of that. Wait, there's one thing we don't charge so for? I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Sorry, that's the entire <laughs> yeah. takeaway I have yeah. there. I'll be quiet, go sit in my sassy corner. <laughs> well, so that's, a, that's actually a valid point because I've been talking, and, and my joy of talking with customers, right? So I see customers who have adopted other solutions, um, not Cisco, right? And uh, that was one of the things that I got through is, you know, some, some of our competitors are really good at charging for every single widget. And um, at least on the umbrella side, we really tried to follow a very basic model of, you know, here are some things that we think fall within all the, the, all the needs that a customer is going to have. So we're not going to charge you on the number of tunnels that you have. We're not going to charge you on the bandwidth on the tunnel or, you know, all the, all the things like that. So I think the, a lot of customers are very happy when they, you know, I talk to them about our pricing model. So uh, we don't need okay. to get into that, but, you know, that's, you can read about that on the web. But that is one of the things that I think um, I do see customers not, not liking a lot, which is this complexity of licensing. And I laugh because inside of Cisco, like, you know, I think definitely we all know that some of our things are very difficult to um, even quote and explain the licensing to. Umbrella is pretty good at, at, at making sure that that's uh, transparent to customers and, and, and easy to understand. At least I think so. Now, let's, let's, <laughs> let's not rewind a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think kind of the thing you're you're speaking about is is kind of a major differentiation between you know kind of the box pushers of the world um and the you know the value added resellers of the world you know that are aiming more towards being a value add um you know that that's why i i'd like to be a solutions consultant you know i like to have kind of that trusted advisor relationship with my customers and come to me with your problems. Don't come to me to fill, you know, a bill of material because quite honestly, it's not fun for me. It's, it's, it's boring. So to, you know, it's real easy to sell a, a you know, a new box uh, just to refresh what you have for your perimeter security. But if you want to start talking about, you know, what are the modern advantages of, of either, you know, cloud-based security, if you, if you're looking more at umbrella, or if you actually require a, you know, just based on compliancy or, or corporate responsibility, you require a hardware firewall. Let's talk about, you know, network function virtualization and utilizing your existing like ISR, ASR routers that you already have at all of your branches. Let's not do a hardware rip and replace. Let's take those existing, um, you know, modular based routers and we can even utilize uh, like a UCS E-series blade that goes into your router that automatically opens up this level of compute that you now have kind of your, you know, branch in a box to, to use an overused term. Um, but you can start doing virtual firewalls within that UCS E-Series blade on your router, and you've got your SUN functionality via the Viptela iOS XE integration. You've got your hardware-ish uh, firewall that lives on that same, that same, you know, device platform. 
and you can actually do all of your service policy chaining and everything right through the same device and have, you know, all of your compliancy regulated uh, or required, you know, device throughput right right in that box. So that would be another baby step. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the challenges I see with that, right, and again, this is, you know, in general, why cloud solutions um, in the industry, I think are, are preferred and, and we're as an industry moving towards them is because to make that decision, like you were talking about, you know, if you're going to use NFE, unless you fully go on with something like a Cisco ENCS, um, you have to commit to the UCSE blade. You've got to commit to extra memory um, and, you know, CPU capabilities for that SSL decryption on the box, right? So and you've got to front load all of that sort of with your, your five-year, you know, life cycle of the device and knowing how much encryption you need to be able to handle in five years is, is something that, you know, I've done in the past just as a customer because you know you gotta you gotta you gotta shoot that that bullet in the dark and hope it lands on the mark. But um, with the cloud security solution, you don't need to front load all that, right? So you can buy a smaller router and let the other vendor take care of it. So I don't know if that's something that either of you guys see that that is a concern for customers, right? Because I know that if they haven't done that UCSD blade, that's not a light touch to you know have to go to every single branch and upgrade a router and get that outage window. No, I, I agree. Um, I'm in a fortunate place that many of my customers were previously using their, their routers for other functions. So whether it be WAS or voice routing or something along those lines that also required kind of the, the you know, uh, greater memory, greater CPU, all of that. So um, they had purchased those um, upgrades, you know, kind of the upgraded memory and all that uh, at the time of their initial router purchase. But as those functions have kind of distilled out into different, you know, different um, software offerings or, or different, you know, separate boxes, um, or, you know, even some of our WAS customers are just migrating directly to SD-WAN, um, that kind of opens up that capability on that router. But for, you know, to, you know very true to your point, Eric, um, the customers that don't want to, you know, either install new memory or any of the other, you know, required features of the UCSE series blades, um, the, I think cloud security umbrella specifically makes the most sense because, you know, it doesn't require any additional hardware. It doesn't require anything um, more than what you have. So, and I don't know, one of the things like, thanks for, you know, I appreciate that, Dan, is, is like this, this idea of us trying to secure um, all of our customers' traffic in a way that helps meet their scale. And as the industry is changing and you know, we've got this, this shift going on with COVID and we're really becoming kind of a branch of one, um, you know, our, our solution obviously has, you know, a roaming uh, component to it where we can park them in the road. But I, I am also curious, like, Daniel, what do you see as, as some of the drivers, uh, or do you see really drivers for customers looking for more SASE-like solutions um, in our environment? Because I, I, I obviously talk to a lot of folks, I think the answer is yes, but I mean, I'm really yeah. curious what you folks see, because you guys talk to customers all the time. Yeah, yeah, I do see customers looking for, I think it's still kind of early on, but also we have customers that already have like Umbrella and AMP deployed and so on. So I think this kind of fits naturally to this is kind of just the next step to, to also start leveraging the, the power of cloud security. And um, because it, it becomes a challenge to to do, do all of this locally, like like Dan mentioned, if you do, do the NFV thing, um, first of all, you need the hardware. 
and the design itself can become kind of complicated because now you have a lot of like soft failures and stuff like a vm failing or you know you don't have like that physical link down and things like that so so the design you can't just take like a normal uh, design that you would for a standard physical branch and try to to apply it to any fees scenario so um, yeah and um, also even if you have like the upgraded routers you've ins inserted more ram and stuff uh, as soon as you start enabling like the ids ips function it's going to take a pretty substantial hit to to the forwarding of the device so um yeah i think that's that's one of the main challenges i see with this kind of local security design model so um that's that's actually something that i wanted to ask you because some some of the um, some of the other cloud security services that I know of, uh, they don't really have a lot of throughput. And I've also heard of, you know, challenges where the tunnels aren't performing as well as they should. So, uh, like, do you have, do you have any measures in place to to fail over traffic and to to measure the performance of of your tunnels? So for uh, so. I have a couple of answers to that question, and uh, I think they're all positive. So today, um, the umbrella solutions, um, we can give you 500 megs per tunnel, IPsec tunnel on request. By default, you'll get 250. And uh, that's, um, we have, we're upgrading about, I can't remember the exact number. I think it was 10 data centers a year with augmented capacity, right? And COVID slowed us down a little bit. So the per request is really to make sure that we're making sure that it's not a hotspot where a lot of customers are already uh, overly active. But that's um, for us. And then right now our our capability to push those tunnels up towards a gig is something we're definitely working on. Um, and that's where we hope to, to land in the future. If you need greater uh, throughput than multiple tunnels where you're just doing some ECMP over that is, is kind of the key. Yeah. So getting getting the you know multi gigabits of traffic to us, of course, is really the first step. And 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 answer to your question, um, we do a couple of things. Uh, and so I'll talk about what HA looks like, right? Because on the Viptela platform, um, if you're using the latest uh, in integration, right, you can push out um, supports. I think two tunnels today, an active and then a, a backup tunnel, and and both those tunnels will be you know. Uh, uh, in, a, in an upstate, and then if for some reason um, the Viptela router decides, all right, the the route um, the the active tunnel is down, then we're going to switch the traffic over. You also have the option for us on the umbrella side. What we did is uh, designed for an AnyCast solution. So if you just brought up one tunnel, and say for example you didn't want two tunnels because perhaps you were interested in ISP diversity, you were just thinking, all right, I want to make sure that if the umbrella data center goes down for one reason or another, um, that it's going to fail over to the secondary data center. We've baked that into our solution for from an AnyCast perspective, right? So um, AnyCast, yep. BGP. So that failover, we've designed it to be, you know, uh, inter-data center, and we have specific regions. And uh, we look at that as less than 30 seconds for that I peer, a dead peer detection failover. And then when we're going um, inter inter Sorry, that was intra-DC regions. And if we're going inter-DC regions, then we're really kind of at the mercy of, of BGP convergence to make sure that any cast comes from the new data center. So your mileage may vary. What we saw mm -hmm. is that's probably anywhere from um, max of a couple of minutes uh, as short as a minute, depending upon your ISP. So that's how we handle sort of that redundancy and failover. And then to the last point, um, 
because we are cloud native, right? So, you know, OpenDNS was an acquisition of Cisco's and that's really the, the primary component inside of the cloud security team. We've taken um, some of the technology from the CWS or Cloud Web Security Solution that's, you know, end of life. And we've cloudified that, like the NBAR engine that I talked about, we've also cloudified that and we're using containers. And so, of course, we have tons of monitoring that's going on to make sure, you know, all the containers are right. And as we do maintenance, that fails over and also checking out response times to make sure there's no sort of uh, anomaly that happens, right? So, so we're making sure that the traffic within the solution is within a certain performance. Um, but to the, the last part of that question, right? So we're, we're meeting um, the capabilities they think are gonna be able to meet customers. We don't have an SLA right now on our solution, right? So mm -hmm. it meets customers' needs. That's the piece that we wanted to make sure we're, we're doing. And then once we, I think, um, are completed, you know, building out our data centers in a couple of years or maybe sooner, we'll get a, a really good sense of what we can definitely commit to on paper for pen to paper um, from an SLA capabilities. But for now, um, what we're working to do is commission a study um, after our initial review of looking what our backbone looks like and its performance for those SaaS services, as I mentioned, and getting that study out so customers can say, hey, this is what it looks like if we do use umbrella service and how much it's going to augment. So there were a couple of components there that I'm not sure what your target was, but I kind of did that shotgun approach, making sure that if it was one of those things, I'm just going <laughs> to hit it. And then I at least got to talk about some other things there. So hopefully yeah, that, that got you. one of them. Sure, yeah. sure. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Um, so I know we, you know, you guys are, are um, you, you do security stuff, right? Um, and so for me, I've done, I do security stuff as well. And I, I've been a networking guy for a long time, right? So you know, like I, I started way back when, um, you know, iOS 10. And uh, so that tells you a little bit um, about how long I've been doing things. And, and so I was on that networking side for quite a while. I moved over to the security side. And I learned a ton from the OpenDNS folks, right, around security and, and the value of that. And the one of the things, one of the things that, you know, is funny because I came over to the security team and you know they're talking a lot about efficacy, and I'm like, I don't really care about that. Um, and then, you know, to be transparent, you know, uh, that's that's me, you know, many many years ago. But but you know, I've learned the value of that because you know it's not sexy, right? So efficacy is is this thing you're like, I don't really know what that is, and I don't know how it's measured. You know, I just know packets get through a router and that I can measure and everyone, you know, is, is all excited about a firewall and the, the amount of throughput that you can get through it. But um, do you talk with your customers a lot about the efficacy of the solution and kind of looking at those numbers of what third parties might have the done? The thing he hates and doesn't care about at all. Do you talk to your yes. customers about it? That No, that was that was four years ago. Now it's when very important, I understand. Young and anyways, go on, guys. Yes, yes. <laughs> when I was a wee yes. lad. Yeah. Do you have some good feedback then, or you want me to? Oh, I'll, I'll let you take that one. Uh, okay, it's okay. definitely not sexy, so I don't, I don't touch yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's quite challenging actually to, to kind of discuss the efficacy of, of something because, like you said, it's either it's like the the vendor themselves uh, doing the testing, or it's a third party. And even if it's a third party, you know, it's it's difficult to know how the test was set up. So it might be neutral uh, i mean it could be and but uh, even then it's it's difficult to know if it's applicable to to your environment so yeah i i think it it matters to some degree and yes we do have those kind of discussions but uh, it, it's kind of difficult to know like how much is 92 percent versus 83 percent how much is like how much is is it going to impact my environment but yeah i definitely i, I agree that 
that it is an important topic to discuss. Can I ask a dumb question? Because that's what I do. Um, for efficacy, <laughs> are you guys just saying like, oh, this actually works the way we say it does? Or I, I apologize for being like very basic here, but what do you, what do you mean here? Like, <laughs> That is a good question. So um, I probably should have defined that a little bit. So efficacy in general is this idea that you have security product and how effective is it at detecting things that are bad i see right? okay so, so it's like the um and then you gotta figure out why like, do we need security we haven't been broken into it's like well because you already had some security and it was working and there's new threats out there so you should probably add more security yeah so w one of the things that i really enjoy about uh, working with worldwide or working at worldwide technology is we have this uh, massive investment in what we call the advanced technology center or atc um, you probably won't have a conversation with the WWT or without them bringing it up at least Gosh, once. Gosh, man, come on. I was waiting for you. It's on my <laughs> two, bingo card two, for two WWT. Two or $300 million okay. dollar investment. So yeah, it's really good. But essentially what it is is it's like 400 plus racks of gear that is all customer facing. Um, and some OEM testing goes on in there as well. But one of the, the main things that we do um, is like a either a proof of concept or a sandbox deployment to Eric's point where we can actually take multiple different um, security vendors. So say you take a Palo Alto, a Fortinet, a, a Firepower, um, or throw Umbrella in there, um, and you can take multiple different threats and essentially send it through there almost like a sieve to see at what layer was this new type of threat actually caught. Um, so we, we can do day zero tests and, and stuff along those lines um, to see, you know, which of these devices that, that claims a sandbox capability actually is doing sandboxing of day zero threats. Um, so that's some, exactly. So we do these tests all the time. And one of the benefits of doing it through us, because we're not a, we're not a manufacturer, um, we don't really have a you know a, a foot in the game, so we're not trying to say that Cisco's the best or Palo's the best. Or but we are the, the best, best, right? We don't really care. <laughs> we'll, see. Right, come on, man. we'll test it, right? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but no, exactly. So we we really customize the the test plan around the customer's requirements. So no two customers have the same requirements for their for their network and infrastructure. So um, it's uh, there's there's a lot of value in doing it that way. Cool. So from a, a hardware perspective, what I'm curious about, right? Because there's the hardware is always interesting, and even like if we, I'm gonna I'm gonna digress for a moment because like when people talk about hardware and like you know my my firewall throughput is higher, you know you're like okay, well what did you test with? You know is that iMix? Is that you yep. know this or that? And then you know and it turns out well you know if it's it's not really a customer's traffic, it's just our our best guess as an industry standard you know to how we can test something right. So that's always key to make sure. And by the way, those numbers I quoted for the IPsec tunnel were iMix numbers. So um. That was what I wanted to make sure I got that in there, but it, it's important, <laughs> right? Because the testing that you do in the lab there, Dan, is, is like, um, we'll, we'll say a number, you know, and when I say we, any, any vendor is going to throw out a number that they think their device is, is, is supposed to support, but they try to emulate the, the traffic as best they can. And the, the, the same thing we do on the efficacy side, right? So vendors contribute to, um, uh, a feed service, which I, I just won't name, but, um, we, we have a common feed service where we don't know what other people throw in, but we know that we throw, you know, some tricky stuff that we see from the Talos organization, which has the benefit of seeing actually the most threats in the world, just because it's so massive. 
And, and so the things that we throw in there, that's what we use, say, for example, on the umbrella side, um, we did a test, we commissioned a test with uh, AV test. And um, actually, no, I, I can't use that one because they, they did their own. We don't know where they sourced it from. We don't know what they threw it in there. But I know that we did some tests on our side as we were building the solution. Um, and we use that database that the, all the, the vendors in the industry tend to use to try to say, all right, well, we've just built something. You know, we need to know that it actually you know, works and stands up towards you know, some kind of industry standard. And we tested out pretty well. And that's when we went and we were approached you know, then with AV tests and said, hey, can you compare us to some other solutions and basically let us know what the results are. And they, they showed us. And, and, and I think it's totally fair for anyone to be like, well, you know, Cisco, you paid AV test to do the test. I don't know if I can believe it. But I would say that as a form of flattery, when we're talking about efficacy, um, what Zscaler did is after we did that and we released it and, you know, the numbers look good for us. Um, I think it was like a month or two later, uh, AV test was commissioned by Zscaler and they released something that said, you know, oh, here's the whole stack that Zscaler offers. And they just did it by themselves to show sort of what they, they cover. And I think that was telling because it then sort of like, oh, this is something AZ scale probably needed to respond to because um, it, it, we tested out quite well, right? Because it turns out we have been doing DNS security longer than anyone. And we actually do do that quite well. And then with the Talos organization, with our secure web gateway, we actually do an excellent job with that, right? So that gets our web reputation-based sender feed from Talos or our WBRS feed. So those, those things inside of the umbrella solution you know, contribute to a higher efficacy score. And so when we see, you know, other vendors kind of throwing and, and using similar testing structures, but it's, it's different enough that it's not a head to head comparison, um, I feel flattered. And so we do want to go back and we're going to test our whole but stack, right? Can I ask so a dumb question? Sandbox and SWG. that's like my thing. Yeah, go for How it. How long did our tests take, like from designing to finishing with EBT? Was it a month or less than a month? Because I'm wondering if, the other company you're talking about had that, they had that plan in place already? For that yeah. testing? Um, so for us, let's see, they could have. I could Sorry you know, to like I throw mean, feasibly, a huge could bit our... of rain over the <laughs> no, I, joy I mean, honestly, party like, that we're I don't, I just... Could they? Sure. Because I, I don't, okay. I don't, no, no, no. But, but I would say like when we released our tests, it's, it is a little bit fishy that it comes out and it's only their stack and it's only in this particular ah. way. We're going to do any other comparison. Yeah. So that's the part where I'm like, sure, could they? Because I don't okay. know. I'm not. I don't work for AV, yeah. so yeah, I got to say that. But I, um, I think your yeah. your point on on how much traffic you see. I mean that that's a valid point, uh, no matter how you see it, because I mean in in the end it's about who sees the most packets and most kind of weird things and, and just with open DNS, you know, and the umbrella, you're the guys that, that see the most. So in three, you should be the best at at finding yeah. a, a counter for <laughs> for these kind of attacks. So that's a fair expectation. Unfortunately we we, we deliver on that too. So Yay. Yeah. So and on that good news, I think unless you guys have anything burning a hole through your I don't know, brain. Uh, we're we can wrap up. Awesome. Well. Yep. Works yay. for me. <laughs> for those playing at home, I was looking at their facial reactions, and they seemed acceptable to wrapping up or amenable yeah. to wrapping up. So, anyways, uh, Eric, thank you so much. I hope I was not too sassy for oh, this you're call. Welcome. I'm you were not sassy enough. You got to be more okay. sassy. <laughs> it's, I blame myself though because I I tried to calm you down. Challenge at the accepted. So it's, it's on me, buddy. 
Yeah. Next time. Next Daniel, time. Daniel, Dan, thank you both. I've learned a lot from everyone here. I hope you guys found it fun and interesting. Dan, I hope you can. Thanks for having huh? me. Thanks yeah. for having me before a long drive home. I, I've enjoyed seeing the <laughs> yeah. interior of your car. Yeah. It's fantastic. It looks like a car. It's a little strange. It's kind of relaxing because of all that greenery in the background, except for that yeah. strange guy walking by. I was like, oh, yeah, that, I, I feel relaxed. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the same two hip hillbillies keep walking by, stealing wood out of the woods behind me. It's, it's great. They just keep coming back and forth. I think you're and, a news reporter. Or something. Yeah, I'm going over to the uh, park ranger after after this, so it'll be fun. Well, uh, uh, thank you so much and safe travels, Dan. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, for those of you listening at home who've made it this far, congratulations. You win the award of having delightful happiness in your ears. Uh, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast on apple's podcasting thing google's podcasting thing stitcher spotify and wherever you might find a podcasting thing that beams it directly to your internet things and that's it thanks everyone